1: all right, I am racing's regular guy because I am on a high fiber diet now. Truly amazing! If you you, you ought to look into it, folks. It's extremely healthy. Anyhow, uh, so much for the health advice. Let's talk about some racing. That's why you tuned in this evening, and uh, we have uh, two veteran guests. Uh, one you hear oh at least four days a week, sometimes five. And that's none other than the round mound of sound, the mellow fellow, Pete Iello from Gulfstream Park. And things are revving up, ladies and gentlemen. Again, we are into the 50, 20, 10, and 5 point system for the Kentucky Derby and Oaks. And they have two qualifying races. The Phasic Tipton, Fountain of the Youth, that's for the three-year-old boys, and it will be very interesting uh, to see if anybody can jump up and beat Greatest Honor, a horse who was so impressive in the Holy Bull. If you don't believe me, go back and watch it, and maybe by... Late Saturday afternoon, you can go back and watch the Fountain of Youth. Shug McGay never presses his horses to be ready for the derby, but this one sure looks like it might. Already has derby points in the Holy Bull. Wins in these races definitely mean if you stay healthy, you will be in the starting gate at Churchill Downs. on For the boys, the first Saturday in May, and for the girls, the first Friday in May. And the girls... Points guarantee race is the Devona Dale, grade two, going a mile at Gulfstream. Last year's champion, two-year-old filly V-Quest, is in the field. Now, this will be her first start since taking down the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Fillies. And uh, she'll be going up against a fresh horse uh, who is two for two two so far this year, going a mile and a mile and 40. Uh, just won the Sun Coast at Tampa Bay Down, and that is Curlin's Catch. But nonetheless, VQuist will probably go off the odds-on favorite. And then also we'll ask Pete to chime in on the grassy Mac Dearmita. He will correct me on the pronunciation of that. And also on the turf, the Canadian turf so that's what's happening at Gulfstream Park and then our second guest works for the daily racing forum she covers the southwest which as you know has been peppered by bad weather a lot of race cancellations and we're finally going to get to see last year's two-year-old champion male essential quality take on a horse that a lot of people thought was going to be the two-year-old champion, Jackie's Warrior. The only race that Jackie's Warrior, the Steve Asmussen trainee, lost was the Breeders' Cup Juvenile to Essential Quality. And the nice thing about Essential Quality, we broke be breaking from the inside. But this horse has shown, uh, particularly in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, that uh, he can come from off the pace a talented three-year-old son of Tappet. So uh, those uh, uh, th- th- that's the big one on Tappet, Oak Long. But also you've got, uh, on Saturday, you've got a solid field in the Razorback. That's a legendary race. Six hundred grand on the line for that grade three. And the Bayakoa, well... We don't have to argue over who's just going to win this one because I think you can put a ring around Monomoy Girl, the amazing champion, 15 lifetime starts, 13 victories, and two second-place finishes. She's won $4.4 million and was sold after winning the Breeders' Cup Distaff for $9.5 million. She's now six years old. Spentthrift and my racehorse, Stable, have decided to keep her in training. Very, very sporting. So looking forward to talking to both Pete and Mary. Uh, don't forget, folks, uh, the, all the good racing is popping up everywhere you look right now. So any help we can give you, we're happy to because it's easy. That's right. The easy win forms. At WinningPonies.com, uh, they're very inexpensive, but uh, they can also reap pretty big profits. Just yesterday at Penn National, uh, we had a ten-cent super. It was a box that paid one thousand nine hundred and fifty-five. Uh, other uh, two other, I'll just hit two other wins that we had recently uh, at Gulfstream. So you're going to want this. Gulfstream has nine stakes by the way <laughs> on Saturday. Um, we had a $1 super high five that paid over 1800 and at Parks, uh, we pulled down a $0.50 cent pick for it. That didn't cost you too much, but it returned over $1,500. All right, that's the introduction of our guest and telling you where to go to get your winners, and now let's uh, reflect on the biggest race in the world, not only last week, but All of the year, the second edition of the Saudi Cup, well, it was billed as the battle between the American horses, the Pegasus World Cup winner, Go and the Malibu winner, Charlatan. But it was John Godson trained Mishrif, an Irish-bred four-year-old colt, who got the job done, and thank you very much. They were the only three horses we mentioned on the show last week, Mishrift. Got home on top at 19 to one, made my weekend, and also uh, pulled down the exacta. Uh, it was a very very game uh, performance uh, by uh, Charlton, who battled with uh, Nixco as expected, but uh, Charlton went on and Nixco go just got beat for. Third ruined my trifecta, but it happened anyhow. Uh, but uh, just a, a fantastic race. Uh, John Gosden, as a matter of fact, uh, Ed and I were talking about him. He he's been watching him in Europe for many many years. You may recall he came to the United States for a while and uh, trained in California. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, it was an exciting day, and uh, it uh, is quite the rich race. Uh, and uh, now this was the second running. It's, it's build as the world's richest horse race, and right now it is. It offers a $20 million purse with $10 million going to the winner. Now, you recall last year, the winner was maximum security. Well, they still haven't released that money because of the cloud that Currently hangs over maximum security and trainer Jason Service, uh, supposedly according to uh, Prince Bandar, the head of the Saudi Cup, uh, he says that the purse situation will be settled in about six weeks. I just wonder if he gets taken down, does Midnight Bizu get moved up to first? Will be interesting to find out. But remember, when you're over in Saudi Arabia, you gotta remember to count your strikes. Count your strikes with your racing crop. Because jockey David Egan, uh, he was only 21 years old, biggest day of his life, uh, by surprising Charlton in the Saudi Cup, uh, he is going to have to forfeit 10% of the $10 million for violating the country's whip rules. Um, he, uh, you get, You get 10 taps. And he took 11, so he estimated about that cost him about $75,000. And also, it looks like uh, another year, Mike Smith's got to give some money back. So he suspended two days for interfering with Sleepy Eyes Todd, about 100 meters from the finish. And um, uh, last year, he lost approximately $210,000. For Midnight Bisou's second place finish, again, a whip violation. Um, Now, there were some stars of the show that were missing, and it was Umberto Rispoli and John Velasquez and television host Gary Stevens. So these guys get on the plane um, with uh, Joel Rosario, and all of a sudden officials come in and go, hey, you four got to leave. Say what? Well, what happened was for some reason their flight was double booked by the officials in Saudi, so they got moved back, which put them just under the seventy-two hour clearance for COVID. Now Rosario took a test just the day before. Uh, he had took a paid four hundred dollars for a personal test, and so he got to go. Now in in the Saudi Derby. Uh, they released him from his previous assignment on Pink for a Japanese horse. He got to ride Cowan, who put in a strong second, but Pink Kamanahia won the Saudi Derby. Ouch! That one hurt a little bit, so it was just a strange series of events. But uh, why it all happened, we don't know. Meanwhile, uh, Johnny V got, got hung up... Uh, with his uh, with, with with his flight connections, so uh, uh, he he wasn't able to show up either. And uh, but they did they did find out uh, the replacements. Okay, uh, Flavian Pratt got Jockey of the week, a very good week. He won all three stakes races of sanity and also registered his one thousandth North American victory. So uh, this guy is something else. He gets jockey of the week, voted by the Jockeys Guild. You know, he's born in France, but he has been killing it since he came over to the West Coast. He's the reigning winter spring champion jockey and the current meet leader. um, In a remarkable span of only six years, he's collected 11 Southern California riding titles and is currently tied for 13th with retired Hall of Famer Donald Pierce on Santa Anita's all-time winner, Spring, and he is still a very young man. His weekly stats, 12 wins from 26 mounts, win percentage of 46%, 73% in the money, and he took home over a half a million dollars. Well, put this under the no surprise to me column, Churchill Downs intends to put Arlington Park up for sale, calling it a unique redevelopment opportunity. Uh, So they merged with Arlington back in the year 2000. But the good news, if there's such a thing during your swan song, is they are committed to Arlington's 2021 race dates. So there will be racing. If you haven't made the trip ever to Arlington, you've only got this season to do it. Now they say... They're going to relocate Arlington's racing license. I'm kind of willing to back that bet. We'll find out what happens. Stay tuned, everyone. Now, there is another Derby Points race, uh, the lone uh, Kentucky Derby race under the Kentucky Derby prep season. And that'll take place on Friday evening, the John Battaglia Memorial. And... uh, Coming in is Gretzy the Great. Now this horse has been a turf specialist most of its life, but uh, you know won the Grade One Summer Stakes. So you got a Grade One winner, and uh, you know what? What can I say? There's uh, you know not none even close to that in this race. Uh, maybe the main competition might come from like the King. Also in the race, there are only. Five horses that are nominated to the Triple Crown. But you got a pretty stocked field uh, going to post. uh, A field of 12 will race in the John Battaglia Memorial. Again, uh, that's tomorrow night, ladies and gentlemen. Eastern Standard Time at 8.16. And there's also the final Kentucky Oaks prep season race. The Cincinnati Trophy, which basically is... At this point, a non-winner is a two. It serves as a prep for the Bourbonette Stakes. So uh, we do have a Derby points uh, race in the Bataglia and the Cincinnati Trophy. If you're looking for some action tomorrow night, you can find it at Turfway Park. All right. Coming up after this break, uh, we're going to be talking to Pete Iello, And then we're going to be talking to Mary Rampolini, who covers the Oak Lawn uh, uh, section and Sam Houston and all the other tracks. Want to find out what it's like. She's from Texas. I don't know if she's ever seen snow before. <laughs> but uh, she saw plenty of it at Hot Springs as they've been delayed uh, two weeks, but we're finally going to get to see that great matchup in the Southwest Stakes. Okay, well, that's a look at all of the updated news and a preview of our guests, and we will be back with you right after this break. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. <laughs>
2: Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off! What?
3: stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain inspiring really fast all the time the number one internet talk station where your
2: opinion counts voice you're tuned in to winning
0: ponies with your host john englehart racing's regular guy the phone lines are open and are toll free 1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you have any tips or comments you'd like to share any questions we would be happy to answer contact us now back to the show Winning Ponies with John Inglehart.
1: All right, and with me now is Pete Iello. If you watch TVG, you hear his name about 10 times a day. Let's go upstairs now to Pete Iello with the call of today's feature race. Pete, it's great to hear your name all over the airwaves. How are you doing? Not always a pleasure to talk to you. You know, we were just talking fashion statements uh, a shirt I gave you, a shirt you gave me. Do you remember the first day you pulled into the parking lot at River Downs?
4: Yeah, I actually slept there because I couldn't afford a hotel room, so I was in the parking lot all night long.
1: (laughs) But you came up and you just had a back seat full of crumpled clothes and stuff like that. I think I I took you down the hall. We raided the, uh, I don't know, the gift shop stash or something, and you were Mr. River Downs after that because I had you all dolled up.
4: The the memory that's burned in my brain is you showing up to the announcer booth right after the first race with about six or seven cheese conies, and you strolled in, you put them down on the counter, walked over to me and said, welcome to Cincinnati.
1: <laughs> well, just so you know, today is National Chili Day. So uh, a very big day in the Cincinnati area for sure. I'm getting ready to heat up some myself after we finish uh, today. But anyhow, great to hear your voice again, Pete. Uh, I, I, one thing I wanted to check is uh, what is the weather report looking like? Because we've got some grass races and we've got some uh, very important main track races down at Gulfstream Park on Saturday.
4: Yeah, looking good, looking real good. It's actually been somewhat unseasonably warm. I know that anybody who's not listening in Florida wants to kill me for saying that, but the truth is the (laughs) truth. But it was in the mid-80s here today. I was walking my dog this morning about 8.30, and and I had a pretty good sweat going by the time I finished.
1: Well, that's, you know... (laughs) That, that's bad news for you, but uh, all of us up here a uh, little north of you are a little bit jealous, I can tell you that. Well, uh, you're going to have some great racing uh, th- this uh, weekend. Uh, Saturday, I believe there's nine stakes races. Did I count that right?
4: Yeah, 14 races. Uh, nine, nine of the 14 are stakes and 1130 Eastern First Post. And then we got 12 on Sunday, so I got to go 26 races in two days. Oh, goody. Well,
1: man, I better do more talking here so I don't wear wear your your voice out, but... You, 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 you're you the man, you're the man, so that's a, you're going to have to talk tonight, and then you can just take it easy and hang with your dog. But uh, one of the, so far, most important races of the meet on the road to the Triple Crown is going to take place as the 14th race. This will be after 6 o'clock, folks, 6 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. And if you check, Gulfstream pretty much sticks to their post times, unless something highly irregular happens, other than other tracks that – Tend to uh, it get you dizzy walking horses in the circle. And it's something we handicappers do appreciate. And um, it was a bullet to bite for management because. You've often seen how so much money goes into the pool when horses do stroll around behind the gate. But anyhow, six it's set to go off. It's a phasing Tipton, Fountain of Youth, a major stepping stone in the Kentucky Derby. And pretty much, peep, we're into the segment now where it's the Derby Championship Series. So any horse that wins either this or the Devon Adele has punched their ticket to the first Friday and Saturday in Kentucky. With fifty points on the line. We, well, we hope. Yeah, we hope. Yeah, I well, like I said, the head That's, of the show. As long as they stay healthy, you know, if the winner of this race can take his time. But let let us hope the winner of these races go go on to uh, the Florida Derby. And what would the girls' edition be? The Florida Oaks or um, uh, the Gulfstream Park Oaks. Gulfstream Park Oaks. Okay. Gulfstream
4: well, Park Oaks,
1: won by Swiss Skydiver last year, when nobody knew who she was. Uh, they sure do now. Last year's Preakness winner over the boys. Um, I'll tell you what, though. One of the best races I've seen this year and listen to you call was the Holy Bull. How impressive was greatest honor in your opinion?
4: Uh, he's very good. I mean, if you go back and watch his race when he broke his maiden, aside from the fact that he was the wise guy special of the week, I mean, he really hammered him at the windows. He had to avoid a uh, really rough run around the first turn that pretty much would have taken anybody out of contention at that point. And not only did he win it, he won it with class. So going into the Holy Bowl, I actually had him as the morning line favorite. It didn't end up that way. They came for a prime factor, uh, pretty hard for Todd Pletcher. Prime Factor is going to rematch with him in the Fountain of Youth, but uh, Greatest Honor ran by Prime Factor at the top of the stretch like he was tied to the quarter pole. So the fact that we got a little <laughs> bit more ground to work with, to me, just seems like it's Greatest Honor's asset and Prime Factor's detriment. I don't know.
1: Yeah, and uh, looking at this horse's pedigree, it certainly uh, was bred to go a mile and a quarter. Oh, it was not sold at sale it Is a Cortland farm, homebred, but you, what you got to like about Greatest Honor, I, I don't think that the, the, the slight outside post is going to hurt it that much, is this horse throughout his career has shown the ability uh, to take back and come on in the stretch, which you often don't see in horses that have only made five lifetime starts, and I, I think that's a, a huge benefit, and then, yeah, so of course, you got your rail horse in here that's not even nominated the Triple Crown, Drain the Clock, who... You know, won the Swale Stakes that uh, has been a stepping stone to some big races, but that horse is pure speed and has never gone beyond seven furlongs. H- don't you think he'll pretty much be the pace setter?
4: Yeah, you have to think so. You would have to think that the Drain the Clock with the Rail Draw is going to gun for the lead, and then Prime factor is gonna try to sit on his flank. I would assume that would be the plan. I don't think that it does anybody any good if Prime Factor tried to go after Drain the Clock. And uh I know that I'm good friends with Edgar Zayas who rides Drain the Clock and he had uh he and I were talking before this horse started the first time down here in in a winter meet that is. And uh he was asking me about another horse that he had in a grass stake that day and I said, Never mind that, you're riding drain the clock. I said, That's the money ticket. And he said, "I don't even know who that horse is. You think that horse is any good?" So he's assured me that if, in fact, he wins a big race on him, he's going to give me credit because uh, I told him he doesn't want to move off of drain the clock. He's a very talented horse, and his last two races, I mean, they've really been eye catching and. Just anecdotal from the jockey last time out, Edgar told me, he says I couldn't believe how much horse I had left because at start two back, he kind of thought, I don't know about this horse being able to go long, but uh, last time out, he told me that he was not at a fourth gear. He had something in the tank, and uh,
1: he thinks he'll stretch out. I don't know if he will, but that's what the jock told me. We'll find out. He's got his work cut out for him. But there's also an interesting mystery horse. Uh, Probably the best uh, uh, two-year-old on the grass last year, the winner of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf, is Fire at Will, who uh, pretty much wanted to run on the turf his whole career, but had one taken off at Saratoga. Uh, It was only a four-horse field. He ended up winning by a half length. Um, But I I believe Mike Baker said, look, the, the... um, they oh, roll your window up. <laughs> they're they're only they're only three year olds once, and you know I got to find out if this horse can run on the main track and take on this kind of competition. Uh, th- do you think he's just rolling the dice, or you think Fire at the Wheel might be able to transfer to the main track?
4: Uh maybe both. I mean, it's his first start of the year, so why not try him on an on an unfamiliar surface and. If he doesn't fire, no harm, no foul. Put him back on the grass. you got to race underneath him and go on with it. And if he does fire, then you're on the road to the, tri- you know, to the Triple Crown Series. So it's kind of a really a no-lose proposition if you think about it because, you know, like I said, they can go back to the drawing board and put him back on the green stuff if he doesn't fire on the dirt. And if he does, then all the more power to him. Kind of John reminds me a little bit of Barbaro. I mean, that's what he did. He, he, uh, he won the Tropical Park Derby on the turf at Calder. And then just say, let's try the dirt and see how he does. And the rest was history there.
1: It will be interesting. And he is nominated to the Triple Crown. Well, let's go to your big ladies race, uh, the Devana Dale, a uh, beautiful mare that uh, I got to see run live and in person in my day. And uh, it's a grade two, 200,000. Nobody's uh, really ducking anybody in here, surprisingly. It's a 12-filly field. But don't forget, you know, underneath there's... uh, you know 20, 10, and 5 points because let's face it, uh, the, the horse that's going to be drawing all the money and I would have to bet will go off uh, at 4 to 5 or less is going to be last, year old's, last year's champion Philly V-Quest.
4: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the, the, you know, the key, the key question for both of the favorites in the big race is greatest honor and the fountain of youth and VQuest and the Devona Dale is, is how cranked are they? And I know that sounds strange to say about greatest honor being that he just won the Holy Bull, but Shug wasn't sure at the time whether he was even going to run back in this race. So if there's a chink in the armor, I think it's probably fitness for, for both VQuest and greatest honor. I
1: mean, if VQuest brings her game to the table, they're running for second money. Absolutely, and in running for the second money, that that was the competition for me to, to try to uh, uh, you know ferret out uh, who who that main competition might be, and uh, you know without you know uh, looking at any odds, um, I, this Curlin's cash kind of caught my eye. Uh, a daughter of Curlin, uh, trained by Mark Cassie, who uh, uh, did. You know, breaker made in front of you uh, down at Gulfstream going a mile, then stretched out to a mile and 40 and won the Sun Coast at Tampa and comes back now to try to take on the champ.
4: Well, you know, when I looked at that race and, of course, uh, made the morning line for that race, I thought it was kind of uh... – VQuest and then everybody else. And then you had a, yeah. you know, a second flight, second flight distinction of horses like Curlin's Catch and the Bill Mott horse just to her outside and then the horse to her outside. So, you know, the four, five and six, you know, they look like they're mid-flight contenders. And then you have, for lack of a better way of describing it, the pretenders who are kind of the horses drawn toward the outside. So, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Curlin's Catch underneath. Uh, but again, a VQuest fires. See you later.
1: Yeah, but I'll tell you what, Bill Mott is having a sensational season with his younger horses. He, he like Suge, is not a guy you see... You know, pointing to the Oaks and the Derby traditionally over their their life. I mean, these guys are no spring chickens, and it just wasn't part of their training regimen. But of course, you know, if a horse develops for you, the horse develops for you. And, and this Milfueil, what are you going to call that horse? By the way, I don't speak. I French. have no idea.
4: right now. For <laughs> the purposes of you and I's conversation, the French-sounding name.
1: <laughs> well, uh, but this horse has gotten faster every race, the longer it goes. Now, it's actually going to pull back from a mile and an eighth uh, when it just missed it in, in the, the demoiselle uh, at Aqueduct. That's a grade two race and only her third lifetime start. So as they say, she could be any kind. It, it, w- it will be very interesting. Well, we're talking with Pete Iello, the uh, handicapper and track announcer uh, at uh, beautiful Gulfstream Park. And uh, we do have uh, two uh, pretty tough races on the on the grass earlier in the day <laughs> earlier in the day you better finish your breakfast at 1255 it's the fourth race already uh, horses going a strange distance a mile and a three8 and I guess you're the odds maker I don't know how the hell you made odds in this race but um, you know I, I think the, the the key race in here is probably the William L McKnight
4: yeah absolutely I mean these horses uh they tend to they tend to run against each other, time in and time out. And uh, the horse who won the McKnight, you know, he's gonna he's gonna have to beat the same horse who just lost to him in the McKnight and Temple. So, um, to me, those two seem to be a league above the others. And I do think, tactically speaking, they're both gonna get the trip they want. So, when you're talking about the key contenders getting the trip they want, you know, that, that makes that adds a whole other layer of of uh, difficulty in trying to beat them. But you know, who knows.
1: Well, we will find out. But again, the odds spread out right now. Tied to the C five to two, uh, Temple three to one. They were the one two finishers uh, in there. Uh, And and then again, uh, just an angle that you've seen forever, Pete. I know is that um, how amazing is Maker off the claim? I mean, he claims aquaphobia for sixty two thousand five hundred dollars. And then moves this horse up in graded stakes competition, does win the grade one United Nations. But anyhow, you claim a horse for 62, who was no spring chicken last year, a seven-year-old horse, and the horse has now won 733,000. What is the magic touch maker has? I guess he just knows how to talk to the old guys
4: and get them to do, you know, fire their best shot. I mean, Aquaphobia hasn't run a good race since the United Nations in terms of a winning type speed figure. But the thing is, is that he was way over his head last time out running against who I think is one of the, is the best turf horse in North America and Colonel Liam. So the waters are quite a bit shallower here for him today than they were in his last
1: couple. All right, Pete. Uh, Hey, we've covered a lot of ground, and if you could uh, bless us with your insight on one more race, it will again be on the turf. And uh, Pete Aiello tells us, uh, as the media urologist he is, that it's going to be a pretty good weather day, so expect this to go on the green. And, uh, again, I didn't pull down any odds on this, but the horse I kind of zeroed in on big rider change uh, to Arad Ortiz uh, was, was Eons uh am i even close to that you gave him halfway decent odds
4: Oh yeah absolutely that race is really really tough that's one of the deepest races in the in, on the card trying to make a favorite for that race was so so hard because you know, so many of the horses have very similar speed figures, and so many of the horses are in really, really good form right now. If I'm a multi-leg player, i got to go deep, deep, and more deep in that race and just hope that one of the horses that I have gets the right trip, because that race is 100% going to come down to trip. Eons is one of those horses that just breaks your heart, because he runs huge figures and runs very good races time after time after time, but he never seems to get his picture taken. So hopefully that'll change. If anybody can get that to change,
1: it'll be IRAT. Well, certainly we, we know who, who he'll be chasing, and uh, <clears throat> that will be on the rail horse uh, Busy Channel, who's got the uh, inside speed angle, very well-traveled uh, gelding, uh, with, with your friend Edgar Zayas in the saddle. And uh, Johnny V is, is on a horse that's just always there, Olympic runner. Um, you know, he just he, the last race he got shuffled back so bad, an optional claimer down there in uh, January twenty third, bumped at the start. But man, he put in a strong kick. Uh, well, where where'd you put him, Pete? I, I actually have him as a tepid, lukewarm morning line favorite in
4: the race. Because Uh anybody who goes back and watches his last race is going to say, whoa, what an express train finish that was. And it really was. He came storming home down the center. That was on the undercard of the Pegasus program. So he was in against some really good horses. So the other thing about that race is you got horses that really are are not battle-tested against graded stakes horses but are really, really, really good against open allowance types. So, you know, trying to decipher would you rather a horse that's Theoretically dropping in class, coming out of graded stakes, but not running any good, or a horse that's, you know, beating up on very good horses themselves, but just not the graded stakes caliber. So, it's a really, really tough race. I have no confidence from a morning line standpoint that
1: I did anything right in there. Well, it, again, it, it was very difficult. Uh, I'll just ask you about one more horse in the race who ex- is extremely well-traveled. This horse, <laughs> it's Mike Maker. He's not afraid to put this horse on a van. I don't think this horse knows what track he's waking up at. Uh, and that would be Fancy Licker, who's a, an absolute uh, turf specialist. And, uh, I, again, he he ships well. You know, Only nine lifetime starts, but he's won a third of them and has won a half a million dollars. The problem with that horse, if there is the devil's advocate,
4: and of course, you know, I try not to poke too many holes on horses that are going to be good prices, but looking at that race, if he runs some of the races that he ran last year against this field, he'll be very, very tough. But what has gone wrong with him in the last couple of races? They have been very, very poor, and he really has no excuse for him either. So Maker's got Maker's to reach down deep in the well and get him to turn himself around because the old fancy liquor would be fine, the new fancy liquor not so
1: much. All right, Pete, I lied. I'm going to reach out to you for one more, horse before I let you go. A late bloomer, trade by Todd Pletcher, uh, by the name of Winter's Back, who just seems to get better and better every start. Very lightly raced, five lifetime starts, two wins, two seconds. Uh, You give him a, a, a nod to get a piece of the price? Absolutely. I don't know about getting a price on him, but, uh, you know, he was re- he was right against the uh, Olympic
4: runner in his last race, and the key thing about it is what you've already said about that horse, is he seems to be getting better, and I don't know that we've seen his A game, and if there's anything that we know about Todd Pletcher, or at least over the last 90 days, it's that he can unleash a turf horse out of nowhere, because, you know, 90 days ago, nobody knew who Colonel Liam was, and now he's probably regarded as the best turf horse in North America, so... Uh, Winter's back had a really good run last time out. If he
1: can build on that, I can see him not only running well, I can see him winning the race. Well, uh, Pete, thanks for uh, running just a little bit over because I asked you to. And uh, all I can say is, uh, on a personal note, I've had so much fun knowing you and, and following your career of course, your big break was at Cincinnati's racetrack, River Downs. But you know, uh, you know, Oaklawn Park, Hialeah, Gulfstream Park West, and then the biggie, Gulfstream Park. It, it's been an absolute pleasure, and I, I can't say your race calling's got that much better because I always thought you were that good. Well, you know what? Here I'll, I'll go
4: off into la la or off into the weeds for a moment. So you know, a, a couple of the, the key phrases that. Uh, I've been unleashed and and known for now, especially on the Twitter world, you know, in social media land is everybody loves to call me easy money now, but the genesis of easy money came from River Downs. I, you know, that was one of the phrases that I just kind of tinkered around with when, you know, Joe Woodard would be 15 in front at two to five and there was really nothing else to say. And it's funny to me and surprising to me at the same time and very gratifying that, You know, between that and as you remember, I used to start the day in Cincinnati with racing at river. And now it's synonymous with me saying racing at Goldstream, which I did purely almost as tribute to the fact that I did it at River Down. So. You know, I remember back in the day there were some wise guys that said, ah, you'll never make it to the big time. That shtick will never get over with the big, you know, with the big horse fans. And that's not only incorrect, it's quite the opposite, that it proves that it doesn't matter what level of announcing that you're at and what level of racetrack that you're at. People appreciate genuine passion and excitement. And if there's something that I have a little bit more of than some other folks, it's genuine passion and excitement for the industry. Present company excluded, by the way. (laughs)
1: well pete it's great i and uh you you pretty much said it all i thank you so much i know you got a lot going on go take that dog for another walk pete you won't it's cooled down down there now and thanks a million for being with us on winning ponies okay i'll be be listening all day saturday it's supposed to rain i'm taking care of a farm in kentucky gonna take care of the horses and the dogs and listen to you all afternoon brother sounds great my brother tell mary i said hello All right. Take care. All right. Mary being uh, Mary Rampolini that's coming up next. Take a quick break. Let's get Mary on the show as quick as we can. You're listening to Winning Ponies.
2: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: winning ponies with John
4: Inglehart
1: All right and with me the woman that uh, uh... Pete Aiello said, make sure you say hi to Mary for me. That would be Mary Rampolini, who kind of covers the Southwest for the daily racing form. Uh, I guess that the, the last couple of weeks have been tough. First of all, she's a girl from Texas, so I guess she had to wake up every morning and turn the TV on, see what the weather report was, and figure out, am I going to be covering any races at uh, Sam Houston or Oaklawn Park? Uh, well, what are my job duties today? Because nobody's running has it been tough mary
5: and, and i sent pete my best too he's he's great both of you guys are very uh wonderful enthusiastic folks for racing and i always appreciate that but uh yes back to your point that it, it was unusual to have a situation where i had no racing at Oaklawn park sam houston race park and delta downs uh due to this winter storm system that was Uh, you know, not only dropping a lot of snow uh, in the area, but also canceling out electricity and water, which led to some of those cancellations as well. Uh, As far as Sam Houston had some issues with electricity. So it was, yeah, it was a far reaching storm with regard to the racing area I
1: cover. Now, I I know you're a Connecticut native, but did you spend most of your time as a young girl, uh, alongside your father, Ralph, who was the racing manager for uh, Nelson Bunker Hunt in North Texas?
5: Uh, yes, you know, I I was born in Connecticut, and my family is from Connecticut and, and lives there still the majority of, you know, relatives. and uh, But uh, I went to Florida pretty quickly after. My parents were in Florida, so I, I went back home with them. <laughs> they went back to Hartford, so I was born there. And then, yes, I spent a lot of years in Texas because of my dad's um, responsibilities um, at uh, the Circle T Ranch there in North Texas, which is where uh, Mr. Hunt's uh, racing operations were actually based out of as far as organizing uh, things from a racing manager standpoint. And then my dad had the yearlings to uh, train there for him. So so that was home base for a long time. So, yeah, the weather is uh, unusual for me, um, in that I really didn't grow up in, in Hartford.
1: Yeah, well, you, your father, he had a real easy schedule. He only broke a crop of like 100 to 120 yearlings each year, right?
5: That's that's what Dad did, yes. <laughs> yeah, my dad worked very hard, and um, um, yes, yeah. He's, and he could tell you every pedigree on every horse <laughs> by memory, so yeah. It's, well... Uh, uh, it was a a fun upbringing, but I know it was very demanding on him.
1: Well, I, I've been following all of your, shall I say, updates at the Daily Racing Forum, because uh, it's like so-and-so shipping in, uh, keep me in mind is out. Uh, so-and-so, you know, the Southwest delayed another week. I mean, you know, it just, it seems like you're the lead on the, the right-hand column of racing form every day, giving us late breaking news of what, what is, or what isn't going to happen, uh, particularly in Oaklawn Park that we, I'd like to steer you to right now, because you are going to have is for such, well, I guess it, I, I guess I could say early in this season, um, you know, you know the the Southwest stakes. I mean, to think that the Southwest, that is a ten 4, two one Derby points race, would uh, draw the quality of last year's champion, essential quality, and the horse that thought perhaps he might be the champion, Jackie's Warrior. What a fantastic field for the Southwest. Oh, it's a yes, uh,
5: John. It's a tremendous field and. It had that promise from, uh, you know, before the meet started because guys were targeting the race, um, uh, you know, and uh, I think part of the appeal is that mile and the 16th distance for some of these horses coming back off layoffs and, um, you know, the timing of the race, uh, how things worked out with the, the the multiple delays because of the weather, uh, the field's gotten a little bigger, so they, they had um, Spielberg ship in and he's a grade two winner, he's certainly a very... Nice addition to this field, uh, that which unfortunately lost, keep me in mind because of the weather, <laughs> who's based here at Oaklawn. But we'll see him in the Rebel coming up pretty quickly. So, yeah, it's a very strong field, certainly essential quality. Uh, and Jackie's Warrior will have a lot of eyes on them Saturday.
1: They will, they will. And, um, the horse that, uh, I imagine it's been a head-scratcher for Baffert, who I know has had a lot of success at Oaklawn Park over the years. Uh, Spielberg, I mean, the horse sold for a million dollars, but he's only won a petty 263, but really kind of fell flat in the Robert B. Lewis last time. Now, he was bumped, but he never rallied after that, and uh, he's bringing in Martin Garcia, who's kind of his you know, second string go-to guy instead of Flavian Pratt or uh, now John Velasquez who's been riding up for for him. So, yeah, I, I think the biggest part of the conversation um, is essential quality. Now, I know he drew the rail, but uh, th- this uh, son of Tappet has shown the ability to, to to rate off the pace, which is so hard with young horses, and to still get up and know where the finish line is. I mean, uh, uh, Jackie's Warrior, I think without a doubt, will be the pace setter, and might be playing catch me if you can. And, and then you look at you look at the the players in here. Okay, you got essential qualities trained by Brad Cox, who's batting twenty seven percent at your meet, and one percent better. Is uh, Hall of Famer Steve Asmussen? He's at twenty eight percent, but you know, you put a line through that horse's Breeders' Cup Juvenile, and uh, he's going to be showing his heels to the field early on.
5: Yeah, it is. It is a really good race. I think what I, I like a lot about Essential Quality, obviously, aside from his established class, is that he's you know. Really got the two mile and sixteenth wins. I like that he's pretty well versed that, and as you uh, at that distance, and also what you mentioned as far as um, his versatility, he's been effective, you know, on and off the pace. So I really do like that, and uh, yeah, I think you do have a scenario where Jackie's Warrior could kind of take everybody a, a long way on the lead. Um, Spielberg coming out of California, though, yeah, I mean, he has a little, he has a little get up and go, so he might. Uh, might be uh you know sitting right there off Jackie or maybe going with jackie a little bit i'm I'm not quite sure I know Jackie's warrior is very very quick horse
1: uh now he he does draw the rail, but it's only a seven horse field mary um so it, it shouldn't be too far from. Uh, you know, a technical aspect for uh, Luis Saez, who's been his regular rider uh, in both of his grade one wins. Uh, it, it just seems to set up for him great. I mean, two for two at the distance uh, for a young horse. And God, Brad Cox has just been s- so on fire these days. Uh, it, it's just going to be a great race. It's going to be two good horses. There's no doubt about it that I don't think. Uh, unless somebody stumbles at the start, that uh, that's the way it's going to set up. It's going to be Jackie's warrior. We'll see how uh, Steve Asmussen has maybe trained him to raid a little bit. Um, You know, uh, his... uh, He's not out of the strongest female family in the world, though. His his mother uh, was claimed seven times, and she went on to run 54 times and win just short of a half a million dollars. That's one hard-knocking mare without winning a stakes race.
5: I love that she won 19 races. I love a mare like that as much as I I do a grade one winning mare. Um, It just tells me a lot about... Her, as an individual, and uh, like you said, she had those fifty four starts. she churned out half a million dollars And um, like i said the- the nineteen wins i just I just love that in a in a mare.
1: yeah, yeah, I mean and hard a lot knock of times and... you see
5: their babies a lot of times you see their babies, are really multiple winners like that and you, and you look at Jackie's warrior, I mean he's four for five already, you know so
1: yeah, yeah, and and to have your only loss come in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile isn't exactly a <laughs> slap in the face. Uh, we're talking with Mary Rampolini, who uh, is going to be right on top of the races at Oaklawn Park. I think we pretty much set the stage on the uh, Southwest, and uh, I'm guessing Mary. No matter what happens, we'll probably see at least half this field back in in the Rebel at Oaklawn. I guess we'll
5: see what happens. Um, the thing that's different john and i'm only very keyed on this like you said because i'm writing in reaction to weather changes constantly is that this backs the race up into the rebel um more like a two-week difference you know versus four so it might not you know some may definitely go on i guess we'll have to see where things stand after saturday when the dust settles and how their horses come back but it's not the same scenario, maybe, you know, as, you, as we would normally come to expect. And in talking to Oakland officials, they have uh, not made any plans to move the date of that rebel. So it will be March 13th. So it would be a quick turnaround for some horses, perhaps.
1: Well, uh, thanks for putting that in perspective for me. I, I wasn't aware of uh, the fact that there wasn't any shifting. Well, let's go on uh, to... A legendary race, the the Razorback Handicap, 600,000 is the purse, and it's a grade three. You don't see that too often, but the the interesting horses I come up with, which would make for good discussion, is Owen Dale, who's now a five-year-old. Uh, but he's only won $1.3 million, making his first start of 2021. But also another horse making his first start of 2021 is uh, a horse who was three and is now four uh, that really came on uh, in, in the fall of the season last year. Uh, running third in the grade three Peter Pan and then winning the Jim Dandy and then uh just missing the happy saver in the jockey club gold cup i those are the two horses that drew, drew my attention am I, am I missing somebody i i know i know it's st- still a competitive field but those two m- make it very interesting for me
5: no I, I agree with you i think it's very interesting because i i feel like they're both going into the start of which should be very exciting seasons for both of those horses there's a lot of upside um on both of those runners so i do think uh there's a lot to watch, not only the outcome of the race, but going forward on what they might do. I thought a horse that was interesting, John, was Hunk of Burning Love, the two horse. Uh Um, From a pace standpoint, he's one that could steal away. Um, uh, It kind of depends on what mailman money uh, gets done at the break, and, you know, he he seems to be quick, too. But Hunk of Burning Love was just so determined that – so uh, big hearted uh, last out. Yes, it was defeat, but it was just a tremendous effort from him uh, in the fifth season. And boy, this horse has just really had a tremendous run. So he, he's, he's got a lot of confidence, this horse coming into this race, in my opinion. I mean, he's, you know, he's he's been very sharp for a long time.
1: Well, Mary Rampolini from the Daily Racing Forum. As always, I went long winded at the this top of our interview. Uh, but I do want to point out to everybody that they really want to tune into Oak Lawn Park for the Bayakoa uh, on Sunday uh monomoy girl who is a story in her own right a horse that just about missed racing for almost two years comes back Has only lost two races in her career 15 13 and 2 oh my god 30 seconds so anyhow i better shut up but they bought her for 9.5 million and she's going to be starting in the bayacoa mary rampolini i love having you on and don't be surprised if i tap you when it comes around to rebel time okay
5: that sounds great, John, and I'll let you
1: know if we get more snow. <laughs> All right. Take care. Mary Rampolini, earlier in the uh, show, was uh, Pete Aiello, and I want to thank you very much for joining us here on Winning Ponies.
0: Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.